Hello, Relentless family. Oh, we are back again. You know me by now. I am the host, Kenyatta, and also the counselor and founder of Relentless Counseling. And I know for those who have been following since day one, y'all know we are in season two, but since day one, I introduced you guys to my mom. But in season one, we didn't have video in season one, and we talked about motherhood because it was on Mother's Day. So I get to now actually show you who my mom is. This is my mom and she is here on vacation. It is her birthday. So she is coming visiting me um, for how long you be here? 10 days. So I'm so excited to have her. So that's why we went kind of incognito last week. So I know we are off a week. I know y'all was like, where is Relentless Thursday? Like it hasn't, they haven't posted anything yet. I had to take a week off to spend time with my mom and she graciously agreed to be a guest again on Relentless Thursday podcast. So we are so excited to have you. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And I don't know if you guys know, my mom is my biggest fan, my biggest supporter. She is one of my best friends. I talk to her about everything. We have a very, very close relationship. And I thought it would be good today to actually talk about our relationship and also the evolution of the parent-child relationship. I think it's very important because I can call my mom my friend, my best friend now, but I did not do that as a kid. We did not have that relationship. She was mom, mom only, what she said goes. So I want to talk about that as we walk in this journey of being relentless, as we're walking our path to walk in our purpose, answer the calling that God has on our life, and also to reach our best self. And it's good to understand that walk and what that looks like from childhood, from the parents' view. And I know a lot of us that are out there are parents as well. Some of us are new parents. Some of us are soon-to-be parents. And it's good to know kind of what that role is because that role is a very important role to have. You are actually the blueprint, the footprint into that child of how that child is going to be when they become adults. So that is what we're talking about today. So my mom is going to be here to talk about because I'm not a parent. I am not. A, I am nobody's mom other than my plant Malachi. That's the only mother I'm, I am to. And he can, he's self-sufficient. He takes care of himself. Even he has his little water bowl. I don't have to do nothing but talk to him and tell him I love him. So that's the only thing I know about being a parent. So my mom is going to talk about the experience of being a mother and being a parent on her end and her experiences and her values. And then I'm just going to give some education about it. Everybody is different. Everybody comes from a different background and different culture. So this is not a do this way, this way is right, that way is wrong. Nobody is saying that on this show tonight. We are open. We are being relentless and being relentless means we're going to be vulnerable and open about different things and different ways that parenting styles are. And how does that impact the world that we live in? Because it's very important for us to know that because parenting and parents are critical, especially now in our society and our generation and what's happening. Our hearts and prayers go out to all the, the families, victims and children of Nashville, the school in Nashville, that shooting. And it's important that we instill 
so many values and protection and safety around our children. And that comes from the parents. No one can, not really anyone can give that to us, but our parents are the caregivers that are connected to us because it comes from the parenting. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. I'm so excited. So glad you are here. And those of you that takes notes, go ahead and get your pen and paper. And we're going to go ahead and get started. We're going to start with American Psychological Association in their definition of parenting. So they define parenting as the job of parenting is to ensure the health and safety of children, to prepare children, them for adulthood, and to install cultural values and more. What I love about just the world in general and society, that we are, are all unique around the world. We all leave a different fingerprint, a di just a different mark of different cultures and values. And we all have something important that we give the, to each other. And I love that. So I love that we don't have to be the same. What our culture of values that my mom instilled in me may be different from the Italians that are listening and what they instill into their children. But it doesn't mean it's a right or wrong or my way is better or your way. It just means that it's beautiful and unique to that culture and it's so powerful. And I wish that we could continue having all these platforms, which I know that we're starting to do more to learn about different cultures, not to, um, what's the word, um, misappropriate cultures and what they bring because it's, it's theirs or it's yours, but it's good to learn about them. I know I have learned so much about the Nigerian culture. I've learned so much about the Hispanic culture, um, just with different friends that I have and, you know, what they bring to, to the society and how their family um, runs. It's just such an amazing experience to learn and to see how different we are, but how it's the same we are. And it just makes me just appreciate God even more because we're all under his cultural values. We're all his children. And as we talk about this, I don't want you to just look at it from the physical sense of your mom, your dad, but also look at how God has parented us. So look at it from both spir the spiritual realm and the physical realm that we are now here on earth because they both apply in so many different ways. So let's go ahead and get started with my mom because it's time for her to tell us what does it mean to be a parent, what does being a parent mean to you? Being a parent means a lot to me. Uh, I, I'm one of those people that try to plan a lot of stuff throughout my life. And I try to put, I know doing your podcast, you always talk about your spiritual aspect. My parenting came from my spiritual background. As a child, I, um, in my mind, I always like to think what I want to be down the road. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of times when you're in school, they say, what, what do you see yourself five years from now, 10 years from now, 15 years from now? I always want to look at what's going on in my life as I'm watching other people parent. And that was like when I was like 14 and 15, I used to watch what people do, see what they do and how I want to take the good from that and then add my own little special thing to the way that I see it. Because even as a parent, I thought my parents were the greatest. And I still believe my parents and feel that my parents were the best parents in the world. We lived in the country and it was a lot of stuff that we didn't have. But you know how you don't realize you're poor until years and years later? Mm -hmm. You know, because I thought we had everything. You know, because in, in our community, uh, I guess in our community, we might have been one of the you know, the elite, because my grandparents, they were 
very known during that time. So people respected your family. And so I always wanted to be the best that I could be. Even when I got married, I said, you know what? I'm going to be the best mom. I'm going to be the best wife. I'm going to be the best Christian. And so, and as a, as a parent, you want to make sure that you are teaching your children the best that there is that you can give them. Because what we want to do, our job is to teach, mold, uh, impact, uh, make sure that they're going to be uh, great citizens, for, you know, as they grow up. Because the thing that I want to do is make sure that I instill in them to put some footprints. I think that's the word you used earlier, a footprint. I want to be the best footprint. I want you to be able to go back and look at that footprint and say, okay, how can I make better? Because I know when you was coming up, you told me, you don't know everything. I never forget that. You told me you don't know everything. And I said to you, I said, you're absolutely correct. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. But I'm going to give you the perfect that I know. And I'm going to give you the best that I can give you to make sure that you have the best opportunity. So when you become a parent or as you grow older, you have something to uh, contribute to society. And you mentioned earlier about having a plan and planning. And I think, you know, as parents, like you didn't get an instruction or a piece of paper that said, this is how you raise Kenyatta. This is exactly <laughs> what you got to do. You didn't get that. But you try to plan as much as you can. But there are things that were probably coming at you as a new mom. Things like, okay, well, how do I do this? And then I didn't stay that baby. I was a cute baby, guys. I was a really cute baby. I wish I could just put up a picture of how cute I was as a baby. But I'm still cute now because I look the same as I did when I was a baby. So anyway, let me not get on my tangent of myself. <laughs> but you got this. I'm like, okay, I got this baby. Okay, she's good. She's dead. And then I went into... The two-year-old, maybe that toddler, annoying, the terror terror stages of toddler years. But maybe I would, I don't remember being that bad. I don't want to say bad, but I don't remember being like, I don't think I don't think I tortured you no. um, as a toddler. But, and then I go from there, and then I go to, okay, wait a minute now, this is the cute little innocent baby, and then move past elementary school years, and now you got this teenager. Uh, I know it all. You know nothing. I can do this. I can do that, guys. And we'll talk about my teenage years with my mom a, a little <laughs> later because we, when they say there's a rebellious phase, there is a rebellious phase <laughs> in teenage years. And I don't think anyone can avoid it, no matter how mellow-mannered or mellow-tempered your, your kid is. They're going to test the waters. That's natural. That's just what they do. That's part of their developmental stages in life and speaking of developmental stages there are six stages when it comes to parenting uh, the first stage is the image making stage that is you are making the baby in your belly you were pregnant so that's that stage the second stage is the nurturing stage this nurturing stage stage happens from birth to between about 18 to 24 months the nurturing stage is i can do absolutely nothing by myself I cry maybe because I need my diaper changed. I cry because maybe I'm hungry or I cry maybe because I need to be soothed. I watched this um, thing, not thing, but this video the other day and it talked about, and I talk to you guys about this all the time or if I don't talk to you guys, I talk to about my kiddos when I'm at work, but 
our brain loves habits. It loves a routine. Once it gets that routine, it's like, boom, this is what I want to do. This is what I, this is what I know. I naturally go toward it. Guess when that starts? That do not start when you're an adult. That do not start when you're when you start talking or walking. It starts right there as a newborn. So, and what this video showed is that it only takes three times in a row for a baby to recognize that this is a routine. So if you, let's just say example, you're feeding your baby and you, you, you know, you got the bottle or you breastfeeding and you do that. And then after that, you hold the baby burp and you hold the baby to go to sleep. Do that three times in a row. Your baby's not going to want to sleep if you put it down right after you, you burp them and then you put them right down. They're going to cry and cry and cry because now you've already built a habit for them routine and they know they expect that. They're, okay, I'm going to be in someone's arm. They're going to be rocking. I wish I had a doll baby or something rocking. Kind of right. I know it looks weird. I'm just holding this imaginary baby in my hand, but they're going to cry and cry because they've already built that routine and that habit that you did three times consecutively or consistently that they're like, Hey, this is what I know. So when it's not, all they can do is cry to let you know what they want because that's the pattern that you built. So that is a simple example, but just think when we do that with negative habits or what we say in front of our kids, whether that's cursing or we're, we're talking negative, we're speaking down to other people. And we know this, we, it's all on social media because people now record their kids with the darndest things that they say, but they are doing that because that's what's been reflected to them. And they think, oh, so you wonder like, okay, how does this kid know when to say shit? Like, and they know exactly how to say it, when to say it in the, in the context behind it, but they don't even know what that word means, but they know when to say it. It's because at that stage and that nurturing stage, because you're nurturing them, they're, they're learning. That is actually where they're, it's like a, they're a computer. They're putting everything in and gaining this knowledge. And then they're able to like, okay, all right, how can I put this in context? This is what I'm seeing. You as a mother, as a father or a caregiver in that person's life or a foster parent, you are that person's guide. You are what they're role modeling after. You are what is giving them that that footprint, that imprint. And so that's the nurturing stage. So the third stage is the authoritative stage, the two to five years. I like to say just from my research and studying and, you know, just being a counselor, this is the stage that matters the most. This is when you are identifying what rules, you're identifying consequences, you're identifying what is right and what is wrong. If you don't do that there, I can almost guarantee you it is going to be very difficult for you to gain the, I don't want to say respect, but lack of a better word, respect, or to try to put that in later because this is where that developmental stage and parenting stage, that's where it's important to start doing that, to say, no, you can't do this, or having appropriate, age-appropriate consequences for that stage of life. The next stage is the interpretive stage. This is from five years to adolescence. This is when they're able to interpret, okay, what your rules are, things, okay, all right, can I do this? Can I do that? They're excited. They also think that you're the heroes in this stage because like, hey, mom knows everything or dad knows everything. They're following you. So they're interpreting, they're finding their blueprint and what does that look like for them? So they're exploring. And this is also the most important stage to have patience. 
because they're exploring this for the first time. Yes, they might cry, they might get upset, but this is a stage where they are really really identifying emotions and what that really means. And it's very important to, to really be able to understand that. And I know a lot of parents on this stage, you know, because they're like, okay, why are you not doing this? And we get to yelling or we tell them, be quiet. Da, da, da. This is where they learn, okay, can I express myself? I have a feeling that may be different from everyone else. They're learning social, they're getting more social during this stage. So it's good to protect that and really be able to communicate assertively, not necessarily aggressively, about these feelings through this stage. Let them kind of explore that in an appropriate way. I'm not saying let them go and be a terror in your house, but be able to understand that. And we see this in different things, through movies, through different videos now, which I think they call this, um, what is it called? People call it gentle parenting. But I do think that it's not necessarily just gentle parenting, but it's also being able to allow this kid the space to really know what it's like to be angry, that it's okay to be angry. And I think this is the stage where we teach people, teach kids through every generation that anger and these emotions, sadness, tears, that these are weak are, are weak emotions or they are negative emotions when that is not true. This is a stage where they need to be able to understand that, hey, you have emotions and it's okay to have emotions, but it's, it's okay to process those emotions and learn how to cope with those emotions, not avoid it, run away from when we do that, guess what kind of adult that we're having? We might have someone that's very, very aggressive, but don't know why they're aggressive. We might be having a, a, someone grow into an adult who don't know how to be, don't know how to emotionally regulate. This is the stage where it's important to be able to learn those emotional skills and accept our emotions as they are. The best movie I think of, I talk about it all the time with my kiddos at, um, at the hospital is Inside Out. And that every emotion that we have has a role. They are all on your control panel. You are Riley and sadness is just as important as joy. Anger is important. Disgust is important. Fear is an is important role. Not saying I don't let me contradict myself. I am not a hypocrite. Yes, we don't live. We not we're not given the spirit of fear through God. But fear they not always necessarily mean fear. It could also mean being cautious. It could also mean all these things. And that is a stage where it's important where we explore that understand that as kids to build that foundation to be able to go to the different stages with that firm solid foundation of who we are and that helps to build confidence the next stage is the interdependent stage the adolescent stage i believe i'm not a parent i've never been a parent before i told you the only parent i have is through my plant malachi but i believe this is the hardest stage for parents because Parents, hey, I raised you from a baby. I did, I helped. I, I I pushed you out of my my stomach. I did all these different things, and then now you mean to tell me you're about to, you're about to leave the nest? What do I do with my life now? Because as parents, and I know my mom, Lisa, observed my mom with this that it becomes all about the child, and they don't really know what it's like to be with not being a mother, not being a father, not being a grandparent. You don't know what it's like now because now that this life is here, their whole world became around them. Just like my mom said, her definition of parenting is love. And so she gives her all to her children. And then now we got this adolescent, maybe they're 15, 16, 17 years old. And no, you can't make that decision by yourself. Well, maybe they can. Now is the stage where we learn independent we are learning values because we're seeing we have society 
letting us know it's not we're just not in a bubble with our parents anymore. We got friends and and now we really see how other people are raised. We're seeing different cultures, especially in this generation, where you got so many different cultures in one area. So you're learning a whole lot. And there's like, oh, I like that. Or, you know what, my value differ from my mom value. Or maybe you didn't have the best parent. And the reality is some people with whatever is going on in their life and their in their turmoil, it's hard to break from that and be a parent. And that's why you have the abuse, neglect. There's all these torturous, horrible things that we hear in society. And it's not just movies. It's not just make-believe. These are happening to kids on a day-to-day -day basis and it's painful. And they have to get taken away from their homes. All these different things. But that's a totally different episode for another day. <laughs> but this is the part I think is hard for parents to be able to allow the teenager to have independence that they might think differently than them. Are they able to make these choices and to trust that how they raised you that that's the foundation and they can going to remember that and knowing that this is their choice that they're, they're making and it's okay for them to make that choice. So that's the interdependent stage. The next stage is the departure stage. And this happens in late adolescence into adulthood. Now they identify this as departure, but I know I'm not the only one who agrees with this. My mom will always been my mom, whether I'm 70 years old, 80 years old, and my mom already knows she's not allowed to die. So yes, I will be 80 years old and my mom will still be here on <laughs> earth with me. So she's going to always be my mom. That role is never going to change as far as mom, daughter, or my dad, or your mom, your dad, or your caregiver, your foster parent, or your adoptive parent, whatever that is, that role is always going to be there. But what changes is the evolution in how we connect. Now, my mom still can't treat me as if we are still in an authoritative stage. She cannot come to me as we're still in the nurturing stage. That's not going to work. It's always going to be a clash. And that's why, you know, that. and, I didn't, and I'm not going to talk about it in details on this episode because I didn't really do a lot of research on it, but we talk about the helicopter parent, these things. I believe when we have those type of parents, they are stuck in one of the other six stages that is causing them to really, really feel like, okay, I've got to over hold on. But when you're holding on, you're also enabling. Right. You're also you also becoming a detriment to your mm -hmm. child because they're not going to be able to really survive and thrive in the world around them. That's why you have you no know, people who are very, very strict. And we'll talk about the different four parenting styles in a little bit. But when we have a certain amount of styles and they're like, we're very, very strict, things like that. You know, your kid go to college or become an adult. They're about to explore a world they never had before. And so they're going to explore that without any type of guidance or foundation because they felt like they've been in prison their whole life. And so then they come out like, oh, I'm free. Oh, me, ooh, what's that? And then they get too free. And then things maybe sometimes, not always, but sometimes maybe become a detriment. And now they're making these choices and decisions that is not as healthy to maintain a healthy well, mental well-being and all around physical, socially, all those things. So those are the six stages of parenting. So mom, my question to you is, what do you feel is your responsibility of parenting through the different stages? Well, as you were speaking, you, you was talking about the different stages. I'm like, wow, I didn't realize all those stages because I just did what I saw my mom do. And it was just, a, it was natural. 
now you all have all of these books that tell you how to parent and all the man please i ain't even eating no book it's 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 an instinct you know what i'm saying it's an instinct and it's the way you were raised and my mom i wouldn't say my mom and dad was strict they gave us opportunities but we as children we knew our place and i think that's the biggest thing that happened in parenting parents haven't put kids in their place to know what what, what is my role Kids don't know their role because they think they spoke a lot of times parents in their situation, that parent, that child has to be a parent because a lot of times those two parents, or if there's only one parent in the household, they having to cook, they having to take the role of a parent. Mm -hmm. So as, as I was coming up, I, I mimic <laughs> most of the things that my mom and my dad did. And I think during that time when I was having kids, they was talking about, you can't raise your kids the way your parents raised you. That's a lie in the pit of hell. Because my thing was that it worked. My mom and dad had six kids and we're all just fine. And, and I don't understand how people, uh, well, I never felt that I need to change what worked. I'm going to try to better it but I'm not getting ready to change the whole dynamic. And I love the way you were speaking about as a, uh, how kids uh, learn. Because when you were born, like I said, when, when you were born, I was in, we was in Hawaii. My husband and I, we was in Hawaii, and there was no one but us. We didn't have any family. We were there for three years. So I knew, or we knew, that we had to mold you into the child that we needed you to be. So basically, you didn't go around people that we didn't want you around. I was military. We were military. And I have always heard about military families, blah, 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 blah. And I always said, I'm not going to be one of them. So I made sure, like you was talking about uh, routine. I knew when it was time for you to eat. I knew that I fed you. I knew when it was time for you to be changed. For the most part, you didn't have to cry. I had to just sit to make sure you cried, to make sure you knew how to cry. <laughs> because when it was time to feed you, I fed you. I didn't nurse you, but you didn't wear, you never had a cloth, you, you only was cloth diaper. You never had a pamper on your bottom. Because the thing back then, they used to talk about diaper rash. And I said, what the heck is diaper rash? That's when your child is, is wet for too long. My, I said, my baby would never have that. So I use cloth diapers all your life until I, I potty trained you. And I made sure that I fed you at the same time. I knew when it was time to change you. And I made sure we didn't do any baby talk. Like, I, 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 we didn't do none of that. We spoke to you so you can learn how to talk. And I think that's the mistake that people have. But your dad and I, we didn't drink and we didn't curse. We didn't go out to parties. So you, poor thing, you just had us. <laughs> But you, you, God gave a really good point of you follow, you know, things were natural, things were instincts, but you followed, hey, this is not parent because it wasn't wrong. So you identified your values that align with the values of your parents. And mm -hmm. I know for a lot of a lot of people out there, those values don't always align. And that's okay for you to change and for you mm -hmm. to like, hey, I got to do something different. I don't want to do what my parents did because you see your see yourself in that. What that means is, again, it goes back to your relentless journey. We've been on a relentless journey when we don't even know we're on a relentless journey. <laughs> 
but it's also being able to know yourself mm -hmm. and know what it is that you need to align to be your best self so that way you can be your best self as a parent mm -hmm. and whatever that looks like. So I do believe that managing parent child is also to be able to maintain a healthy self-love journey. Mm -hmm. Because how you love yourself is going to be how you love other people. That includes that newborn baby. That includes that teenager. That includes that elementary kid or that includes your child that's now an adult. That how you love yourself is how that's going to reflect on how they love themselves and how they maintain confidence, how they set boundaries. Because you are their teacher. And in order for you to be a teacher, you got to take care of yourself first. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to continue that self-love journey even when you, you're having to be responsible for another human being. And that can go how you parent, that can go for relationships, that can go in any area of our life, but you have to be able to maintain that. Your children, your partner is not the most important person in your life. You are still the most important person in your life because if you can't take care of yourself, then you cannot take care of anyone else that you're responsible mm -hmm. for because God did not give you that child. That's not your child. My mom is my mom, but I am not her child. I've never was her child. I have always been God's child and God assigned her to me and be like, this is your responsibility. I need you to steward this child so that way she could walk in the path that I have designed her to walk, but she can't do it by herself at these stages. She needs you to be able to prepare her to get to where I am preparing her. So it doesn't start with, okay, oh, I got this bad and I can't this. If I have a child, that would change and I could just, no, 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 no. It's not going to change just because you have a child. Mm -mm. It changes when you align yourself to your best self, to your self-love and align yourself to your higher power to be able to be the best mother, to be that. My mom knows I love her. I will always love her, but I am not going to fill a void for her. Mm -hmm. That's not my role to fill that void. Mm -hmm. That is God's role because that's where he's supposed to be. And so learning those things, and that's how we really work on being effective parents is being able, or an effective children, that is how we're able to do this is when we put our put our needs, make sure our needs are taken care of. Because if we know what our needs are, we're going to make sure this child has their needs. And I know every, every I'm not going to say every parent, but majority of parents, they will sacrifice. Their, there's nothing they won't do for their child. And I love that about parents. It's something I think that is that God just places in a mother and a father and that's there and they won't do anything. They won't do nothing less to make sure that child is safe. Regardless, that I mean they got to go to prison for this child. That might that mean they got to die for this mm -hmm. child. They will do that. And I think that's just a natural, beautiful instinct that God gives because it's a sacrifice because we're aligned and we want to be like him. God sacrificed himself mm -hmm. for us. Jesus came down, took himself out of glory mm -hmm. to save us when we were not deserving. And so when we look at parenthood and what parent parenthood is modeling, it's, model, it's modeling the role of God. We are walking Jesus' journey, especially for those of us that are Christians. That literally means being Christ-like. What is being Christ-like? God was a parent. Jesus came down as a parent mm -hmm. and said, hey, I'm going to serve. My mother 
technically served me because she had to take care of me during those stages and she had to steward. And so if that is her role, then she's doing the sacrifices. And I've noticed, I like to say it's funny when these different things. So when I see the little videos on social media, I laugh. Um, I can't think of one that I saw, but it was like, isn't that what you're supposed to do? <laughs> and I was like, yes. Like, we can't put that burden on the child of, did not feed you? That's what you, that's what, I didn't ask to be more. That's what you're exactly. supposed to do. But the role of the parent through these stages was constantly happening to transform, to develop, and maintain the, a solid foundation for mental well-being, our psychological walk, physical, and social needs. It really bells down to four things that goes through each stage. Mm -hmm. That's care, consistency, choices, and consequences. Mm -hmm. And that goes throughout every single stage of parenting. This is part of the responsibility that this is your job to make sure that you're caring, make sure it's consistent, mm -hmm. make sure that there are choices. And with those choices, there are consequences. And a lot of times when we think of consequences, we think consequences are just bad consequences. There are good consequences too, mm -hmm. but we just don't focus on those. And that's, again, that's a whole nother episode. I think I got two other, um, two other episodes now that I think I want to talk about later on. But the next thing I want to talk about is the four parenting styles. And these styles that I believe have a direct impact on how children experience and connect with the world when they become adults. The first is going to be permissive style. This permissive style that parents use really is child driven. It rarely enforces rules. It overindulges the child to avoid conflict. I see this type of style all the time. You guys see this type of style all the time as well when you're in the grocery stores things like that or when things don't go the way that there's no consequences the parent just quickly just gives it just to, to avoid the conflict kind of like they're scared of their three-year-old four-year-old <laughs> they're scared of the consequences <laughs> yeah so things like that so that is permissive authoritative style however solves problems together with the child it is a collaboration they set clear rules and expectations there is open communication. There is natural consequences with this. And then we actually got a really, really good example of authoritative style parenting through one of my favorite shows. I could care less what y'all think about this man and his personal life, but this show was great. Cosby show. When you got um, Claire and, and the Huxtables, right? The Huxtables showed that they were authoritative. They never like just told the kids what to do. They did give them choices and they collaborated with them, but they did wrong. Hey, there was an expectation that there was going to be consequences that come with this. Um, but they, but the kids had a voice that they were be able, they was able to be heard that they weren't just like, okay, you children, you next go to the corner, you mind your own business. But when they, there was conversations and you know, I don't know about you guys, but growing up, not saying that my mom was not authoritative. She was a little <laughs> bit of both. So I'm going to talk about the other one in a minute. But we like, oh, I want to run away. I want to run away to Cosby's. Claire's going to be my mama and Bill's going to be my daddy. You know, that was just a saying growing up. that We're going to run away and be with the Cosby. I know it was the Cosby's and then on um, Full House. That those the parents that we was going to, we was going to run away to. Um but the next style, and these are not in order by any means, but the next parenting style is neglectful. These parents are uninvolved in their child. They're very absent. They have little nurturance or guidance. They're indifferent to the child's social, emotional, and behavioral needs. I know I said earlier there is no good or bad parent. Technically, there is. 
because you got neglect, abuse, sexual abuse. These are bad parents that maybe should never, ever be parents. And you don't want to be a neglectful parent because these kids, no matter what stage they're, we're in, need parenting. They need structure. They need guidance. They need nurturing. Um, the next stage style is the last style, which is the authoritarian style. This is parent driven. They have strict rules, punishment. It's a one way communication with little consideration of child social, emotional and behavioral needs. Now, growing up, that's why I said my mom is both. Because I felt sometimes she was authoritative. And then in other ways, the older I got as a teenager, she was more the authoritarian. She had a little bit of both. I wasn't in the strictest, strict, strictest um home, but it was strict. And there was punishment. You got on punishment. Oh, my Lord. You was not going to be on punishment for two days, three days. It was weeks, months. <laughs> I felt that it just... My, my crime did not match the punishment, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> but I say sometimes you're both. And sometimes you'll get a little bit of all styles, depending on the context, depending on what your parent has gone through. And they're, you know, if they've gone through trauma, you don't get this. And what my mom said earlier about, hey, did she match how our parents are? And sometimes what we're doing, we see neglective parenting or authoritarian parenting styles are permissive. A lot of the times... It's just been passed down to them. That's how that's all they know. And so they just did exactly what their parents have done. We see it someone that's been abusive or sexually abused, more than likely they were abused when they was a child. It doesn't make it right, it doesn't justify, but research is to show that they are more than likely to have been abused during their childhood or somewhere in their life. So trauma, trauma repeats itself because trauma changes the brain. It's very, very sad, but it's the reality that we live in and we can't avoid it and run from it and say, oh, we live in this bubble that this doesn't happen. No, this happens. This happened to your neighbor next door to you. This may have happened to someone that you're very, very close to. This might have actually happened to your child. And so it's good not to run away from it. Sometimes we gotta be relentless. We gotta be vulnerable and open and face it and learn how to heal from it. Take it to God, heal, go to therapy, all these different things to be able to heal from it. So these are the style, and this is parenting. So this is our crash course, one-on-one <laughs> course on parenting, but our parenting relationship does evolve. And what I love about my mom and our relationship is that it has evolved over the years. Teenager, I wasn't a bad teenager at all. My mom cannot say I was a bad teenager. I wasn't, I was very, very a goody, goody, choo-choo, teenager I just didn't like cleaning up and I had you know things that I just want to do on my own time things of that nature but my mom would not allow that but there are times when I know my mom has said it before and you know it may come back up later on and we talk about different things <laughs> about childhood and I know my main thing was like mom you don't listen to me you never listen when I talk I don't feel heard and so that was I think for me that was our struggle um, during the high school years, teenage years, that I just didn't feel heard. It was my mom, what she wanted, how she wanted to, to do it. I didn't really have a choice <laughs> in, in high school of a lot of things. A few things I did, but major choices, and I know we don't, we haven't talked since the first time we're talking about this, so we'll see how this goes. Um, <laughs> but we still have, we have a close enough relationship that I'm okay with sharing this. But, you know, senior year, it is time for colleges. It's time to go to college. And hindsight, I appreciate it now. I'm glad for it now. 
but I didn't appreciate it. I didn't like it. I was very, very upset before because how I got to college is I did not apply to the school that I went to. My mom applied for me. I did not know until I got the acceptance letter. So let me tell you guys the story. So at the time, God, I told you guys, God is, has been there. I am a counselor because God has called me to be a counselor. It was not the dream back in the day. That was not the goal. The goal was I was going to be a journalist and I was going to write my own magazine and save the world one word at a time. That was my motto. That was, I was like, that's my saying. That's how I'm going to save the world. And I had everybody going to this magazine. I'm going to go to college, go to college for journalism, all these different things. So I got into this school called LaGrange College. who had a really good journalism program, but it was a private school. So Hope in Georgia, we have the Hope Scholarship. Hope wasn't really paying for all of it. They only paid like a percentage because the private school had to come out of pocket. I wasn't really understanding the whole got to have money and all that stuff. That just wasn't in my thing. So my mom's like, okay, we can't, you can't go there. You can't afford that. You don't have any scholarships to be able to go other than hope. So no, you can't go. So I was like, well, fine. If I cannot get what I want in the time that I want it, then I decided, and I thought it was a very mature decision for myself at that time, that I was like, okay, well, then I won't go to college right now. I would join, um, what was that thing? It was that They had one overseas and they had one in the States. Um, I think Job Corps was the one in the States. So I was like, I can join Job Corps. I researched and everything. I was like, okay, I'm going to get paid this much. I may do this for a year or two years, and then I'll have enough money to go to the college that I want to become a journalism. That was my plan. My mom was not having it. We, I don't think it was. A, we just didn't talk for a minute. I think it was a minute. We just did not talk. We were not seeing eye to eye. I was like, I don't. In my head, I was like, I don't have a mom at this point because she's. I am. My head. I am grown. I am about to graduate. I am an adult. I can make this choice on my own. But that happened. And then I got accepted to this school. And believe me, the first year I hated that. I mean, I still hate that school. I do not want to go to that school, period. But it worked out. I learned a whole lot of that. And it got, I was supposed to be there because it was that school, that experience, the things that was there that shifted me. Um, I had, uh, I did still majored in journalism and I minored in psychology. But if I didn't go there and have the professor that I had for psychology, I wouldn't have recognized years later that that was my passion, that I love that more than journalism. And so our relationship evolved. And the more that things started to happen to me, I started to experience life in different ways that my mom hasn't experienced, different trauma that my mom has never experienced. Like my mom went from, you know, she told us she was, you know, raised in the country. She had great, great parents. I had great parents. Both my mom and dad are the best mom and dad ever. I would not trade it for anything in the world. But she went straight from one mom. Can I say this? Hmm? Can I say that you were, you were, the, okay, my mom was a virgin um, when she got married. So she went from, and my mom has always been a caregiver. She's always take care of her family or someone in her family. And so she went from there went to college, found my dad, dated my dad. How long were y'all dating? Like a year and a half. So they dated for a year and a half. My dad was like, hey, this woman is the one. I'm not looking no more. I'm about to put a ring on it. He put a ring on it. They got married right at the time they got married. They went to Hawaii. So, and then 
Am I the honeymoon baby? No. Okay. So I'm not a honeymoon baby, but I was born a year later after they got married. So my mom, certain experience that my mom has had has been different from my experiences and things that are different. It's like, okay, she's never experienced that. So she may not always can relate and give me her story of things that I've been through or the challenges that I had to go through or just the journey that I'm on has been totally different. But over the years, the older we got and separation where I'm like, okay, right, these are my values, which a lot of my values match up with my mom's values. But I have some things that are different that my values may look different for me than it is to her. But my mom has always been, you know, now that I'm an adult, has been open to my experiences and understanding it from my eyes versus that plan of I got to be a good mother and this is what that means. But being a good mother for her now is seeing it through my eyes walking in my shoes a little bit, seeing how I view the world and also recognizing that she, rec I think, and mine correct me if I'm wrong, but I think she sees her work and all that she has, what raised me, she sees it through things that I talked to her about or things challenged, okay, well, this that way, but she handled it, she handled it this way. And so we've learned how to talk. We've learned how to agree to disagree. We may not always agree. And I've also learned, I think, on the other end of being the child, uh, you know, in the parent-child relationship, that I have learned that it's okay for me to challenge my mom, too. Mm -hmm. It's okay for me to have my own values, and it's okay for me to set boundaries mm -hmm. with my mom. And looking back, over the years, I remember there was a time because I was like, gosh, grandma gets everything. Mom, whatever grandma want, mom does. Da, 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 da. Like I've never seen my mom and grandma like disagree. But there was a time when I was younger. I think I was maybe 12, 13. I don't know. I mean, I may was younger. I, don't, I can't remember exactly how old I was, but we was in the car. My mom was picking up my grandma from a friend house or somewhere. And I was in the car. And I think this is the first time I saw my mom go into protection mode. When my um, grandma, she was, my grandma, I love my grandma. She's, she's a grace, but she, she can curse like a sailor. She don't mean no harm, but she, she can go there. But I think my mom, my grandma was just, you know, just in a mood. We all have our mood. She was in a mood, but it was not appropriate for me to hear that conversation or for me. And my mom stopped my grandma in that moment. It was like, no, this is not the time. You're not about to talk. My child is in the car. This is not about to happen. And I remember my grandma, she just got quiet. And I think that was the first time that I saw my mom in a different, not a different light in a bad light, but in a different light that she would go to bat for me. And that even if it was her mom, someone that, you know, my mom has always taught us respect your elders and respect. And it wasn't that she was disrespecting my grandmother, but I looked at her in a way, okay, she was making sure that I was okay. Even if I had no clue what they were talking about, she would be like, hey, this is what you're not going to do. You can be mad at me, but my child comes first, even in our parent-daughter relationship. And so that was the thing that I learned. So I see my mom now as an adult doing what I did as a child. That I realized that, okay, my mom's human. My mom gets upset too. My mom, she, she goes through different things too. My mom, my mom dates. She talks about different things. She talks about sex. She talks about... <laughs> Weird things. So my mom knows that she's gonna be on my podcast. I get relentless and we open and and there's no shame. And I don't want her, her to ever feel that they're ashamed, but I am gonna tell the story. She'll be mad at me later. So 
Maybe I shouldn't. No, I'm, I'm not going to say it. Never mind. No, but there, but like, you know, we all grown. We all grown in the show. If you're not grown in the show, just, just turn it off for a second and come back on and we'll be stop talking about this. But this is how I know my, my mom and I uh, relationship has evolved and that we are friends. This is how I know. So my mom is, you know, like you have Wish. I know everybody's heard of Wish and I know everybody's, you know, Amazon and all those different places. So my mom has this new shopping thing that she goes to. They close and stuff are really cheap. And so she was showing me this, this app. And so she was showing me everything that's on there. And, you know, she's going through, she was like, oh, I didn't know they had sex toys. Oh, I got to go back to that. I was like, oh, my God. We're, we're, I was like, we're there? <laughs> we're at that part of our relationship. Y'all, I have a running joke, and my friends know it, um, that I have no idea how I was born. I don't know. I just never visualized my mom being a sexual being. I don't don't visualize my dad that way either. I just I'm, I really feel like if, as a kid, you know, the kid, you know, to kind of tell the sex story, they say, oh, the stork or whatever came and dropped the baby off. I really feel like that's how I got on this earth. That God put me in a stork, bundled me up really nicely and said, hey, these are your parents. But it's just, you know, as we get older <laughs> and we flow with with um, with our relationship as it evolves, that certain things is not taboo as I mean, for me, for some parents and kids, relationship, nothing was taboo from five years old. But for me, it was taboo because that's just things that we just didn't talk about as a kid. And so now that I'm a dad, I was like, oh. That's why I can say my mom is my friend because we can talk about. Now we don't go to detail, detail about certain things, but we can talk about laugh different about things it. and laugh about it. And so our relationship has evolved. We have pride <laughs> together. We have laughed together. We go on vacations together, and it's never. I talk about my parents all the time, and so we're very, very close. And I appreciate my mom. That's why I said she can't never die. So there is no funeral for mom because she's not going nowhere. Um, she made that promise to me and she got to keep it. So she stuck, she stuck with me. Um, but I think for those who out there who are having a hard relationship with their parents, whether it's mom or dad, that it takes time, but it also takes intentionality to really get out there and actually talk about the tough things. And so now I talk about like, Hey mom, when you did that, that, that really hurt my feelings or when, when this happened, this is what I needed. So I've learned how to set boundaries with my mom and help her get clarity of what I need. This is the type of support that I need. Sometimes I'm like, mom, I don't need a lecture. Yes, this is my choice. Yeah, it may not have been the best show. I don't need a lecture right now. I need, I just, I need a mom. Or right now I need the mom, but I need that friend and that mom too. A mom, I may not can say it, but you know how I feel. And can we pray together? And so those are things that I think that when you evolve in your parent child is just recognizing that we are both human beings on a relentless journey. And I see my mom like, you know, she has her own things that she has to, that's challenging for her. And it's not about me. When I was four, five, six years old, yeah, it was all about me. But as an adult, I recognize that it's not about me anymore. It's about her. She has done her duty. She has done her job. And I have to let that relationship evolve if I don't then it's going to be a separation in our relationship. And it's going to have this little tiny tear that's going to just continue to get bigger and bigger. And I don't want that. So it's always something that you work on. It's just like any type of other relationship, your parent and child relationship is the same way. It has to be worked on. You have to continue to develop it. It has to evolve. If it don't, you're both going to feel stuck. 
and you don't want to feel stuck. My mom is my best friend. She's my twin. Whatever she needs, I am there for her. I know that, you know, she, you know, when she gets older, we're not putting, I'm not putting her in nursing home. Me and my sisters talked about that, but I was like, if she got to come live with me, she come to Texas. That's the thing. We're not, we're not coming moving to Alabama. We're not moving back to Georgia. She just have to come with me to Texas. But I love my mom. It's always an honor to have her here. And then also to be able to bless us with her knowledge and experiences on the podcast. So thank you. Thank you, mom, for coming. Thank you very much. Thank you for everything. Uh, It has been a a blessing. And uh, the biggest thing as parents, listen to your children. Because you will learn something and they will learn something as well. It's all about respect. You know, when they're young, that's your job. You are the parent. Parents, stop giving up your right to be a parent. Don't let your kids parent you until you become old. (laughs) (laughs) Because the Bible says you're once an adult, but you're twice a child. Because you will be a child to your your kids if if you live long enough. But be respectful. And just like Kieta said earlier, teach your kid, train them, not train them like a dog, but teach them, give them the nurturing, give them the things that they need to be respectful adults. You know, look back sometime and see where you come from. And then you can see where you're going. But plan, talk. If you want to have a child, talk about it. And if you have a child that's earlier, talk about that as well. They have books now for you all. <laughs> I didn't have no book. I didn't need a book. Because a lot of times you got to go from your heart. What is your heart saying to you? Love yourself and love that child. When, when my kids was little, I used to tell my husband, they come first. They will always come first until they become adults. You will go on the back burner. I told him, I said, put me on the back burner. Because God gave us these kids. They didn't ask to be here. That's our job. Love them. Well, all right, guys. Thank you for joining us once again on my favorite day, which is Thursday. I love Thursdays. Remember to share, subscribe, and give us a note. Give us a rating. Let us know how you enjoy this topic. Talk about your parents as well and how your relationship is with your parents. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, we will talk later. Bye for now. See you in two weeks, okay? Two weeks. Thank you all.